Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Watkins-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. I like three things. I want everybody to be able to write on the whiteboard at the same time because there's ways we can get introductions of 25 people done in two minutes and make it very effective, which is so important in the virtual world. We might only have 90 minutes or two hours together and everybody's working at the same time, which can be very powerful. I'd like to have a chat room where everybody can have a group chat that's easy to use That allows everyone to have an equal voice. So you may decide to speak out loud or you may decide to type in chat. It eliminates accents. It can help people with, for example, English as a second language, and it allows people to reflect. And I also want easy to use breakout rooms. Breakout rooms allows us to come together in one virtual space. And with the click of a few buttons, we can send learners into smaller groups where they can collaborate and create together. Those are the things I look for in technology. Hi, this is Henneko. I'm so glad you took the time to stop by today. In Jamaican parlance, wagwan. I'm glad to say adieu. This episode is sponsored by HennekeWatkinsporter.com as well as the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Now on HennekeWatkinsporter.com, you can visit us for blogs, resources, books, online podcast courses, podcasts, and more. If you are new to the Entrepreneur New Podcast, be sure to check out past episodes with guests such as John Lee Dumas, Patrice Washington, Seth Godin, Richard Branson, Amy Porterfield, and a host of other game changers. We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act, and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing, or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experience transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. And now, here's today's episode. Where my reason, imagination, or interests were not engaged, I would not or could not learn. Sir Winston Churchill. Greetings and welcome to episode 172 of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I'm Henneke Watkins-Porter. Today's episode is with Jennifer Hoffman. Jennifer, a virtual classroom and blended learning pioneer, is founder and president of InSync Training. Her entirely virtual consulting firm specializes in the design and delivery of engaging innovative and effective modern blended learning. Under Jennifer's expert leadership, Inc. 500, 5000 named InSync Training the 10th fastest growing education company in the U.S. 
in 2013, the 20th fastest growing education company in 2014, and to their Inc. 5000 list for four consecutive years. Dell Women's Entrepreneur Entrepreneur Network, Forbes Most Powerful Women Issue, The Native Advantage, and Goldman Sachs, 10,000 small businesses have all recognized her entrepreneurial drive. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Jennifer on tips on starting a successful training business. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Before we dive in um, and talking about, you know, tips for creating a successful training business, have you ever had any Jamaican food or had any Jamaican influence on you? No, I haven't. But now I'm interested in finding out more. Absolutely. So when this craziness is all over, you are welcome to come and I'll be happy to show you around. I would absolutely take you up on that. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So before we get into how you actually got into training, what really is blended learning? Blended learning is looking at instruction and saying, what is the best way to teach a particular piece of instruction? For example, if it is very knowledge oriented, meaning memorization and and task oriented, maybe we can teach that in a self-paced format. If it requires face-to-face interaction to perform a new skill or exhibit a behavior, then that part might be taught face-to-face. If it's somewhere in between where we need live interaction, but it doesn't need to be face-to-face, maybe it's in virtual. So what you do is you look at the design and the outcomes you're looking for, and you combine exercises, activities, and instruction in such a way that it meets the needs of the learner and the needs of the instruction. So how did you get into training? Well, that was a long time ago. I was working for an insurance company and one of my jobs there was working in training and education. The internet wasn't used for training yet, but we were doing what they called CBT or computer-based training, which has become web-based training, which is now what they call online learning or e-learning. So we were starting to do a lot of very expensive, because everything was expensive at the time, computer-based training and starting to combine that with face-to-face training. And my first job as a trainer was going on the road, traveling around the country and teaching nurses and doctors how to use technologies to help them make decisions when approving insurance claims. Then that job went away when our entire training department got laid off because of our merger. And I decided I didn't like living in the cubicle world. So I started writing training instruction and then got involved with live online learning in about 1999. And I've been working there ever since. Interesting. 1999. That's over over 20 years now, right? Yes. A long time (laughs) ago. So you have a lot of experience, a wealth of experience, and perhaps can share some ideas right now. No, the time is ripe for, you know, online businesses with the pandemic and everything. Um, What are some training ideas that persons who want to come to this business may consider? Well, the first thing I want to say is it's an amazing time to be in training and education. We are I like to say the most popular children on the playground right now because we've been focusing on live online instruction in platforms like Zoom and MS Teams and WebEx for 20 years. And now all of a sudden, everybody not just wants to do it, but needs to do it. So it's an interesting place to be. But if people want to get into a training business, start a training business, you can do it 
in one or two ways. One way is you have an expertise in a topic. You, for example, have an expertise in entrepreneurship. So you might create courses that surround entrepreneurship. You, how to become an entrepreneur, how to create a business plan, how to run a business, how to manage a virtual team, which is a very big topic right now. So you create and teach content in that area. The other way is you start a training business that is content agnostic. For example, my training business, we provide three sets of services. We facilitate your content for you. So maybe you have an entrepreneurship course and you want us to teach it. We can do that. Or maybe you need to teach it. We can produce it, be your assistant instructor, or we can design it for you. So one way to start a training business is to have content expertise. And one way to start a training business is to have training expertise. But the best way to get started, I think, is to start speaking at conferences and writing articles for the press to start to establish your expertise in the domain. And you've got something to talk about when you approach prospective clients. And so you've alluded pretty much building your brand as a skill trainer. So maybe you want to expound a little more on that. How do you build your brand as a skill trainer so that persons can, you know, recognize that, hey, I really do mean business. It might be easier now than it was 20, 25 years ago in that it's so much easier to get your message out there. You can write blogs. You can write articles for magazines. You can do podcasts and videos like we're doing today. These types of things are very popular. And they're very easy to do. The downside to that is that everybody can do them. So you really need to make sure your expertise is based in facts. So education and training should be very research-based. What, Where are you getting your facts? How are you basing your training? What stories can you bring to the training? If you have your own stories, incorporate them. Otherwise, interview people and bring the ex expertise in. Training and expertise, excuse me, training and education is all about the expertise you bring to the table. I think you bring your own and your own experience and also don't be afraid to bring in the experience and expertise of others. Organizations and individuals appreciate when the content is research-based and also, it's outside of just you and what you have to say, but based on the experience of the entire domain around where you're training. Uh, how important is um, knowing your audience, Jennifer? What would you say about that? Audience is critical. No matter what your topic is, there will be different levels of knowledge in your audience and different backgrounds in your audience. I think it's even more critical today than it might have been 10 or 20 years ago because it's very easy to have a global audience now. You might be teaching programs where, for example, you're teaching in English, but you might have five native languages in your program. For example, the program I'm really involved in now is based out of Singapore, and there are people from Singapore, Malaysia, China, Australia, all in that audience. So they all have very different backgrounds. It's their cultural backgrounds and religious backgrounds and ex and different levels of expertise and education. So you need to be skilled in incorporating all of their voices into live training. But in order to do that, you need to know who those people are. It's very easy when you're online not to connect. 
all the video and everything is great, but that doesn't mean you're connecting with your audience. So making your content very activity-based, especially early on, so you can get a good understanding of where they're coming from is critical. So I think that knowing your audience is a is a critical success factor. And um, you, you, you touch on content a little bit, but let's delve a little deeper in terms of the content that you, you know, once you're, you're determined in your heart that you're starting a business, a training business, developing the right content for your audience. Um, what are some tips that you can give us for that? Well, I'd like to share that with the story about how I developed my first set of content. So 1999, I went to some training conferences and saw the first virtual classrooms and they didn't, they don't even exist anymore. And everybody was talking about technology and that was going into what we call the dot-com boom when internet technologies were becoming so popular. Everybody was focused on technology, but nobody was focused on how to use the technology. So I said, hmm, here's a content need. I don't need to teach people how to point and click and use the Zoom virtual classroom, for example. That didn't exist then, but I'll use that as an, a common example now. I don't need to teach people how to do that. There are experts that teach technology. The gap that I identified was how do you use that technology to teach? How do you use it to I always say read the body language and the bandwidth and connect with learners when there's no eye contact or body language. So I identified a knowledge gap and started to research existing best practices to fill that knowledge gap in three different areas and how to facilitate, how to design, and how to produce slash assistant facilitate. And then when I ran out of resources, I started to, can I say this to the entrepreneurs? make stuff up. I started to think, I mean, sometimes you just need to say, I think this is the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then test it and then be honest with your early clients and say that nobody has the answer. So let's test and then continue to develop and continue to evolve your content. So how do you start a content-based training business? You identify a content area and identify a unique gap that you can fill. Learn, do the research, talk to practitioners, and create the training. A lot of organizations teach sales training, for example, and there's a lot of salespeople out there teaching that sales training. I think there's a lot of competition there. There's a lot of sales training out there. So if you're in that type of a field where there's a lot of competition, what do you bring that's different how do you distinguish it? And that's something you need to figure out on your own, but your own expertise and external expertise. And one thing I want to tell any would-be educators out there is there's no shame in bringing other people in or citing and doing research, but please, please give people credit. You kind of alluded to, you know, technology, which is where I want to go next, um, Jennifer. What are some of the, I mean, there are myriads of, of stuff now we have to, to look into, but what are some of the things that we need to think about when we're looking for a technological option to deliver our training um, or virtual training? I like three things. I want everybody to be able to write on the whiteboard at the same time because there's ways... We can get introductions of 25 people done in two minutes and make it very effective. 
which is so important in the virtual world. We might only have 90 minutes or two hours together. And everybody's working at the same time, which can be very powerful. I'd like to have a chat room where everybody can have a group chat that's easy to use. That allows everyone to have an equal voice. So you may decide to speak out loud or you may decide to type in chat. It eliminates accents. It can help people with, for example, English as a second language, and it allows people to reflect. And I also want easy to use breakout rooms. Breakout rooms allows us to come together in one virtual space. And with the click of a few buttons, we can send learners into smaller groups where they can collaborate and create together. Those are the things I look for in technology. The latest trend is everybody wants video. I'm not necessarily a fan on having video on all the time. I think it makes people self-conscious. I also think that trying to stay in one spot for three hours so your face stays in a video screen takes the focus off of learning and puts the focus in other places. But there's times when we can use it very well. So if you're going to use video, have a good video platform. So what are some of the challenges that you've experienced over the years? I mean, I'm sure it's not all a better rose for you, Jennifer. What are some <laughs> of the challenges that you've experienced? We've got some interesting challenges going on right now. For 20 years, we've been talking about best practices for live online learning were two to three hour sessions that were very interactive and engaging and going all day probably wasn't a best practice. But since the pandemic, we have seen a massive increase in classes that are seven and a half hours long, which means people are sitting at their desks, not moving for very long periods of time. And sometimes they're even skipping breaks. What organizations are doing is taking classes they would have taught online, I'm sorry, face-to-face, and just putting them online immediately without any redesign for the environment. So it can be tedious. The facilitators aren't prepared. The design isn't prepared. And the learners are exhausted by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. When I tell you in 2018, we we supported two sessions that were more than seven hours And this year so far, we've got 650 sessions that are more than seven hours on the books that our clients are delivering. And it's it's wearing everybody out. Just listening to that, that is wearing me out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. And they call Zoom fatigue, right? You've heard (laughs) Zoom fatigue? That's what we're starting to see. Absolutely. And so um, let's now flip the script and look at some of the wins and high points for you. Part of our business is a train the trainer business. We teach people how to facilitate and how to design content for the online environment. Some of the wins are when we see people that come into the training resistant, um, concerned that moving to the virtual environment will impact them. They've been a great face-to-face teacher, and now we're moving them online, and they're so afraid that things that they did well and they were proud of will go away. When they come through at the other end and realize that they can be just as effective And they can actually be good at this new job. I I see that as each individual success is a success for us. And sometimes organizations come up with the most creative designs. Not these eight hours just stand there and, and talk to a computer, but these creative designs that help teach in such a way that might even be better than teaching face to face that really have impactful learning. So those individual successes are wonderful. 
And the one piece of advice that you'd want to share with somebody who's considering doing um, training as an option, I mean, there are just so many opportunities now. What's that one piece of advice that you would give? Right now, everybody's talking about online learning or virtual learning. My advice is focus on the learning part of that. Make sure that your audience is learning and then find the technology that supports that. You're not in the technology business. You're in the learning business. Always remember your audience and always remember that end user. And I think that will help you really be successful. Uh, You're not in the technology business. You're in the learning business. That makes all the sense in the world. (laughs) Jennifer, is there any final thoughts that you'd want to share outside of what you've already shared as it relates to, you know, running and starting a successful training business? We really need to be focused on content and quality, the quality of the content that you're creating and also on what you're delivering. Each and every time you teach, you've got an audience that really needs this information. So what you need to do as you're building the business is build a culture of customer service where the focus is on making sure the end users get what they need, that they're learning, that the gaps are being filled. And that they can do their job tomorrow. Making money is great. But to me, it's about empowering individuals. If you can do that well, then the money will come. Jennifer, do you have any giveaway that you want to share with our audience? I know you had said um, you had mentioned yes, but I'm not sure if you have anything online that you want to connect with. Yes, go ahead and share that and share your contact information where our community may get in touch with you. Sure. My name is Jennifer Hoffman and I'm at... InSyncTraining.com, I-N-S-Y-N-C Training.com. So you can get to be at Jennifer at InSyncTraining.com. We have a lot of free content and eBooks on our website. But if you want to drop me an email, Jennifer at InSyncTraining.com, I'll send you an eBook on advanced virtual facilitation skills. Awesome sauce. Jennifer Huffman, thank you so much for being a guest today on the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I appreciate your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, my peak performer, for tuning in. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Of course, in the meantime, you can check out my new book, Podcast Power, the Quick Start Guide to Launching and Living Up Your Brand on my website or on Amazon, whichever you want to go and find it. Of course, it's hennikawakisporter.com or amazon.com. My point of hope this week is this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. First John 4 verse 9. What good 